If you are looking to elevate your leadership and drive your nonprofit forward, I invite you to subscribe to the Successful Nonprofits newsletter. Every week, I curate exclusive shareworthy content that sparks inspiration, innovation, and conversation. From the latest trends to timeless advice, the weekly email newsletter is your all-access pass to a treasure trove of resources. But receiving the newsletter is not just about staying informed. It's also about getting our best content first. Subscribers get first access to our newest downloadable templates designed to propel your leadership and amplify your impact. And that's not all, my friend. We are constantly working on new ways to support you and your mission. So as a subscriber, you'll get updates on our latest projects, opportunities to participate in surveys, and a say in the topics that we tackle next. You will essentially get me as a consultant, coach, and confidant in your inbox, ready to help you navigate the challenges of nonprofit leadership. So if you're an executive director, board chair, or a nonprofit leader who believes in making a difference, join me as a newsletter subscriber. Visit SuccessfulNonprofits.com forward slash newsletter to sign up today. And now, friend, let me take you to the episode you've downloaded. Welcome to the Successful Nonprofits Podcast. I'm your host, Dolph Goldenberg. Friends, Today, we're going to be talking about a pretty serious topic. So before we dive into the episode, I want to just share a little bit of a roadmap for the conversation ahead. We're going to be discussing a serious and potentially triggering subject, and that subject is suicide postvention. Now, I fully acknowledge that this topic may be distressing for some, and it might be best to sit this episode out if you think it could be harmful to you or your well-being. I prioritize your health and your safety. So if you find yourself struggling or you know someone who is finding themselves struggling, please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at any time by dialing 988. This helpline provides free and confidential support 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Now, to discuss suicide postvention with us today, we are going to be joined by Beth Eversoll. Beth is an LCSW, and whenever I say social worker, I, I always follow that by saying social workers save lives. So she is an LCSW and also a licensed chemical dependency counselor. She is now the CEO of the Palmer Drug Abuse Program in Houston, and they offer teens and their families a safe, and secure place to recover. And what's so amazing about their work is they do it free of charge. It is easy to find help if you have the money for it. It is hard to find help if you don't, and they do it without charge. She was named one of the most admired CEOs from the Houston Business Journal and is also presented on postvention at conferences around the country. Beth, Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dolph. Thanks for having me. And I'm genuinely grateful you're willing to come in and have a conversation about postvention. And um, I know you have shared with me, and I'm hoping you're willing to share with our friends, you have shared with me that postvention in the workplace is personal for you. Yes, it is. Uh, The December 
30th of 2019, I received a call that forever changed my life. And it really impacted our organization. And postvention was something that got us on track. Hmm. So share with us what postvention is. So postvention really are a set of protocols that provide any organization with recommendations on how to respond to suicide deaths. And it does so in a way that helps restore the function to the organization, uh, to facilitate the grieving process for any staff and or clients, and to decrease the risk of any suicide imitation. So really, it's a protocol that helps with being a part of comprehensive suicide prevention as well. And so you've mentioned twice now it's a protocol. When you got that call in December of 2019, did you already have those protocols in place? Golf, we had a baseline of protocols for crisis intervention. And I had community partners that were able to assist us to direct us more specifically to the post-pension interventions protocols and um, the implementation of that kind of management on the ongoing process of our uh, organization and programs. Can you share with us what those baselines looked like? Sure. So we generally had an idea of community partners that we could reach out to and partner with to come in to help our staff with the grieving process, how to address the suicide in a way that was safe messaging for our staff and our clients, the supervision protocols that are in place um, in our organization already also lend to the structure of postvention. And we had a lot of community support because we are a community program that's highly connected. So they were able to really lift us up. And you mentioned safe communication and I don't think I know what that means. So related to the mention of suicide in an organization or in um, any digital communications, social media, whatnot, you want to be able to not give details of the suicide and um, the means in which this uh, took place. And you want to be able to acknowledge suicide, though, if it comes up as a topic, whether the family members or not want to acknowledge it publicly is also another part of the safe communication around suicide and how to communicate with your constituents and your staff. And I think the reason you don't want to be giving specifics is because of suicide contagion. Yes, that is exactly right. It's really important to reduce that contagion and um, decrease the risk of imitation. And you also mentioned that you reached out to some partner organizations and they really helped bolster you during that time and they gave you additional things you could do. What, what were some of those things? One partner that I partnered with who is a suicidologist, um, Dr. Tom Ellis, he he gave me the postvention protocols and gave me the management guidelines for leadership to be able to put into place. And additionally, the organizations that helped us, they came in and led some groups for our staff to be able to process what was going on with them, 
some groups for our clients because we are mental health um, organization to be able to process what's going on with them and to provide ongoing support uh, in the longer term maintenance stage. We also worked with uh, clergy who were able to help provide any memorial services that we had. And and for how long did those postvention services last? Well, I like to think of postvention as ongoing. And what it turns into is uh, prevention. And so in our crisis response plans or any flow charts you might rec- create, you think of the immediate as 24 hours after the crisis, 24 to 48 hours. The short term is more within a couple weeks. And then the longer term kind of would include any milestones, any anniversaries that may come up and any attention that may be needed for staff or clients during their grieving process. And so we kept the specific supervision protocols in place since we already had them to be an ongoing process. And so I would say for a year, we very specifically focused on this particular uh, incident, but we still have the ongoing postvention training, education, and crisis response team. And when you say um, anniversary milestones, I assume that does not just mean, okay, one year. Correct. It could be any type of milestone, such as a birthday, It could be a team project wrapping up. It could be a team project starting up that this that your staff member may have been on or may have been leading. And it could have been any specific holidays that come into play that would really bring up the grief and the loss. And what we know about grief is that everyone grieves differently and on their own timeline. And so suicide in our field is a career-threatening event. And so, you know, the American Psychiatric Association ranks that type of loss as catastrophic, very similar to the loss of a, a loved one that's a family member. There are a couple other things that I wanted to add, which is that one study found that they estimated that 115 people each are exposed to suicide. So one suicide exposes 115 people to it. That's kind of how big the ripple effect is in this type of um, concern. And since knowing someone who has died by suicide is actually one of the highest risk factors for suicide, you can see why postvention becomes an integral part of the suicide prevention efforts. Mm Mm-hmm. When those milestones happen, what types of additional services or support do you provide? We provide the ongoing one-on-one individual supervision, but we also provide group supervision. And we make sure the topic is brought up. The number one thing we don't want to do is to stop talking about the person or to avoid the grief that's going on. So we make those intentional conversations. Got it. Got it. And I know I know often with suicide there's there's some stigma that's attached to it. There really is a lot of stigma attached to it and what I'll say is, you know, when we share our grief, not only is the painful loss changed into hope and healing, 
the pain is diminished and the stigma is diminished. And you can really honor your your lost colleague or client. And that, that that's certainly fair. And what what should our friends who are listening, what should they be having their organizations do in order to put their own postvention protocols or policies in place? I would say get really familiar with postvention protocols that are for the immediate crisis response team. So you want to have a team of individuals on your staff that volunteer to be in the role of the crisis response coordinator. And you want to have people in those positions that feel they can take on the necessary steps, as well as people in backup positions. For example, in my situation, I was the colleague that was closest to the colleague that passed as the CEO and as the leader. So um, other folks really had to step in and take on leadership roles that I was unable to do or would be too close to home to do. Because one of the things I want leaders to remember is that self-care is a priority. It may feel like you want to take it on on your own and save the organization or protect them, but it's really a team effort. So I think anyone preparing for postvention needs to remember that it's all about the team structure. Mm-hmm. So really make sure you've got that backup and a backup for the backup. Yes, yes. And if it's an organization that, that's not a mental health organization or does not have expertise in this area, where can they go for, for help in putting together some postvention strategies? There are a lot of free resources. The Association of the American Association of Suicidology is one, and the uh, there are suicide survivor handbooks. There's an article called uh, Client Suicide Now What? that talks to you about what happens if a client is to suicide. There's an after-suicide school toolkit for schools. Um, There are ways to respond to grief, trauma, and distress, and there are suicide U.S. national guidelines for that. And all of those resources are free and online. Hmm. Nice. Okay, so so we can... If you share that link with us, we can make sure we get those links uh, in our show notes as well so that if our friends want that information and want to download it, if they were, if we have someone who says, you know, I really want to hire someone who can both help us put this protocol together and maybe even come back in if we need to implement it, are are there people that do that? Yes, there are. Um, There are grief resource centers that are able to put those in place. A lot of organizations tend to have um, an employee assistance program or their human resources might be viable solutions for uh, implementing those programs and getting trained on them. I know oftentimes those EAP programs are remote or virtual programs. Is that an okay substitute or should, should people really be looking for someone in their area? I think it would be great to have someone in their area because they really know the community. They can understand the culture of the organization and whatnot. So there, there is an organization I know in Houston that can help provide those. I'm not sure about nationally, but I'd be happy to look into that and get you the okay. resources. 
And I do know I was an interim somewhere, and this was not a suicide. It was a, an after-hours um, murder in our parking lot. But it, mm. was, it was someone who was kind of known around the neighborhood. Um, and so a lot of the people who worked for us knew knew that person. And, and you know, shame on us as an organization. We did not have any plan for what we would do if something like that happened. And we actually, we found a local university um, with, a, with a clinical social work program that was incredibly helpful to us. Like, I mean, like literally like professors came down and we're like, okay, we're, we're going to help. And of course, you know, we also allowed, you know, them to bring a student or two who would observe and see how it was done. But I know for us, that was, that was a, an invaluable resource. And, and I will also say, I wish we had thought of it. They reached out and asked us. That's amazing. That's really the power of partnerships and community. And I would say anyone thinking about putting in the postvention protocols in place, definitely think about that broader community and how they can support you. Mm -hmm. For our friends who are going to walk away from this conversation and say, yes, we definitely want to put some protocols in place. You've offered some resources. Are there any definite do's or definite don'ts? Yes, there are. That's a really great question. So, as I mentioned before, you definitely don't want to avoid talking about the deceased. And when you are in the communication stage, you want to really get the facts before you communicate. And so you don't want to provide details. You want to follow the safe messaging around suicide. And you, for example, would not want to announce or give any detailed information in a larger group setting. You would want to do so in small group settings. Also, you would not want to announce any details or any anything over a large uh, sound system, for example. The do's, um, you definitely want to honor what the family wants. And so, uh, and you want to offer your condolences to the family. So fact check, make sure you have your information um, there. and. Communicate about your plans to support those that are impacted by the suicide. Any information about memorializing the deceased one and any changes in functioning work schedules or workloads that may be going on in the organization at the time. And you don't want to avoid the topic of suicide. Um, It may be that the family doesn't want it announced that there was a suicide. Uh, information travels uh, and your staff and our clients may come to you with the question of, was this a suicide and why and what happened? And so what you want to do is be able to say, if this was a suicide, this is how we're going to approach it. And we're going to continue to provide the protocol calls and procedures in place and supervision and support that we would if that were true. And if it's a situation, and I apologize, I'm not trying to be obtuse. I just want to make sure I understand. If it's a situation where the family says, we we don't want it confirmed that it's a suicide, but people are talking and they're coming to supervisors or you as the chief executive saying, we need to do something. We know this was a suicide. What is the right response? Putting out the right information around general suicide prevention and postvention. Because 
avoiding the topic of suicide creates more stigma and more shame and more questions about why and what happened. And it really want to facilitate the grieving process for those who may have those questions. And you really want to address that here are the facts and we are respecting the family's wishes around any details that may have gone on with this uh, death. And we want to support you in the ongoing process. It sounds like that communication does not confirm it was a suicide or? Correct. Okay. You would not want to confirm that it's a suicide, but you would want to address suicide in general. What is the open door for that? Just to say some people have asked about suicide and we just, while we don't have information on our colleagues passing, we want to make sure that everyone has the support they need or or what is the right messaging? That's perfect. That's the right messaging right there. Okay. Hopefully with a little less stuttering, but okay, good to know. Um, (laughs) I'd have to practice that so I could do it. Okay. Well, Beth, I, I'm grateful you came on today to talk to us about this. This is this is just such an important topic. And I'd mentioned I was once interim of an organization where there there was an after hours murder in the parking lot. And oftentimes it's the type of the type of topic that we don't think about. And, you know, we hope it never happens to us, but then when it does happen inside our organization, we're not fully ready for it. So I'm I'm really glad you came on today to make sure that we are thinking about it and we're and we're creating plans so that we can support the people who work in our organization and, and with our organization. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's just so important that your your community is so embracing of this topic and the advanced planning helps not only allocate the resources and the staffing needed, but it also gives you procedures when emotions are high so that they can be followed in a time of real crisis and grief. Again, Beth, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you again. And thank you to those listening. And just remember, there is hope. We can create safety, prevention, and resilience, not only in ourselves, in our communities, but in our organizations. Thank you. And friends, if you are interested in reaching out to Beth, I feel like she's pretty open source. She'd probably be more than happy to send you like their their postvention strategy documents, et cetera. So if you'd like to reach out to Beth, we are going to be including a link to her LinkedIn page on our show notes. We are also going to be including a link to her organization, which you can find at pdaphouston.org. That's pdaphouston.org. And friend, if this is an episode that you are walking away from and saying, yes, my organization, we need to be talking about trauma in the organization. We need to be talking about things like suicide and suicide postvention and prevention. I want to make sure that you know about these two other episodes. The The first episode I'm going to tell you about is the first time Beth came on the podcast. It's episode 309. And that episode helps us manage a conversation when a friend, colleague, or a loved one expresses suicidal thoughts. And the second episode is episode 148, Trauma-Informed Leadership with Matt Bennett. And my friends, it is very important that your organization be thinking about this ahead of time so that if you do find yourself in the place of needing a plan, you have what you need.
that is our show for the week. I hope that you have gained some insight to help you and your nonprofit thrive. And the lawyers always make me say it, I'm not an accountant nor an attorney, and neither I nor the consulting practice provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied on for tax, legal, or accounting advice. Please, if that is what you need, find a licensed, qualified professional in your area and get the help that you need.